January 8, 2021. It's a lot for Pedro's show.
Juan from Pedro Show. Happy Friday. Maybe it's the second one of the year. <laughs> lost track. We started John Coltrane doing My Little Brown Book. And Wayne Krantz after that with Solstice. And people, Brother Matt's at the Love Grotto a couple miles south of here. Pleasure point because we're in quite in quarantino mode. But I am not totally man alone because of those genius software people in Estonia with their Skype invention. I got Mr. Tim Lefevre. Welcome aboard, Tim. Thank you for having me, Mr. Watt. It's an absolute, absolute honor. Well, likewise, right back from Pace Brother. Uh, let's 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 go through your. Um, well, first, tell us about this Wayne Krantz. Oh yeah, uh, that's just a, a snippet from. Well, that was probably like 1999. Um, it was kind of the, the initial stages of this band we had with me. Wayne Krantz and uh, and Keith Carlock on drums, and it was kind of became like a New York kind of like kind of a hang. We played like every Thursday night in New York for years, and it just became a kind of an institution and, and uh, rabid kind of you know a rabid following to you know to not huge but rabid you know. So what was the pad you played every Thursday? The fifty five bar. Okay, okay, that's yeah. happening. Uh, yeah, but but let's let's go way back before 1999. <laughs> like, yeah. Tim, your earliest musical recollection, please. Uh, man, uh, of me playing an instrument. Remember, remember, it's the Watt for Pedro show. There's no hard questions and no wrong answers. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess just 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 a memory. I mean, some dudes tell me like when they were two years old, they remember hearing Hank Williams on the radio or shit. Just anything musical that you can go back. Yeah, I mean, you know, like listening to like uh, Paul McCartney was, you know, because back when I was a kid, it was AM radio. So like you hear Paul McCartney, like, you know, uh, silly love songs or, or, you know, just stuff like that. So that's kind of first things I heard in my ears. And then uh, the first time I was playing, like I, I played acoustic. My sister got an acoustic guitar for Christmas, and I wasn't really playing chords on it. I was like kind of playing along one note stuff with ACDC, and you know, like back back in black came out when I was a kid too. So I was like, you know, that's kind of where it all started. Well, I was going to ask you, well, where was it that you grew up? Massachusetts, Foxborough, Mass. Foxborough, okay. Yeah. So in the pad, there was an instrument. There was a guitar. Your sisters, any other stuff? Yeah, I mean, my dad was a middle school music teacher, so we had a piano. Oh, I didn't know that. Set. I didn't know that. That's good yeah. to know. So you're, you you come from a musical family. Yep. Yeah. So Everybody plays so there's a piano in the living room, right? Uh, I was downstairs. Okay, yeah. downstairs. downstairs like that. But it's in yeah. a pad somewhere. Did, did they make you do the lessons thing? Nope. Okay. Well, and what about at school? Were you in the marching band or the choir or shit like that? Yeah, all the stuff. All the stuff I, I they, you know, in order for me to play bass in the band, I had to, uh, I had to be in marching band and concert band, and all, so I had to play tuba and all this other shit. Tuba, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, you know, I, uh, 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 it would have to be bass clef, right? But you could have fucking rocked the bone. Ah, uh, you're right. I, I, and that would have been way more punk. But he'd stay out <laughs> up <on> tuba, <laughs> yeah. But tuba's hey, tu tuba's pretty bitchy. Well, now was it a tuba or was it a sousaphone? It was uh, both, you know, so like con during football season, you know, we have to play for the stupid football game. So like, yeah. I have to wear a sousaphone, you know, you, you wear a sousaphone. And then for a concert band, which is between, you know, after football season, and then it was a tuba, you know. Now, was the sousaphone plastic? Uh, yes, it was. A piece <laughs> of shit. Well, and you then, know, you know also my, 
<laughs> well, you know the, the, the live at Massey Hall, Bird's got a white fucking plastic horn, right? Yeah, Ornette yeah. used to play one too, I believe. Yeah, but I don't think it's because he's pawning the stuff for junk and shit, but... <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I, you know, it saves the weight for having to fucking schlep that thing around, right? What, what was yeah. uh, Tim, what was the first record you bought with your own money? Let me think. Um, might have been, might have been ELO out of the blue. You know, because when you're a kid, you ain't got a lot of money. So I'm wondering, you know, what are you going to spend it on? Yeah, it was that, or I kept buy cassettes too. I mean, yeah, I yeah, well, yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was that, and then then like you know, Rush, Exit Stage Left, and some Van Halen. You know, kind of went went that way. Well, you mentioned cassettes. Did you get in uh, your buddies the the fucking mixtape thing where they make you tapes and you turn you on to shit? Yep. Yeah, that was really important in the early days of the movement here. That's how you knew about shit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Hundred percent. And like you know, when I went to college, I you know I was sort of in the jazz scene, and you know, like so you know a lot of the Blue Note records and all the crap you didn't have, like people could just make cassettes for you, so you could still hear it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. It's really important. Yeah. Also, yeah. cats you would meet in a record store. Yeah, right. 100%. Yeah. That's kind of like, it's kind of a bigger thing now, right? You go, because the record stores are not, not, the, not the rage anymore, but like, it's kind of like the hang in a record store now because everybody who's still sticking around, like, knows their shit there. So it's like, it's really cool to go hang and tell me about this and tell me about that. And right. Rad. Yeah, I mean, I guess we do a little of that on the internet, but the, the, just the real life of coming together. What, what about the first gig you saw? What was the first gig? That I saw. Uh, I think I went to like my, you know, because my dad was a piano player and a, and a jazz aficionado. I think he took us to when we were kids the Newport Jazz Festival. I think we saw like Herbie Hancock and and uh, Chick Corea play, you know, double pianos. I remember that. Whoa! Um, my yeah. first gig with D, was with D Boone, and we saw T Rex. Oh man! <laughs> Everybody <laughs> always says that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were underwhelmed <laughs> no when i look back now i mean because they weren't really that popular then but man right you tell people that nowadays yeah 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 so we, we well it took a while yeah it took a while for bowie and all that stuff to get yeah. to get untracked in the states yeah i think he had uh they had one hit like bang and gone yeah right but david bowie yeah i think uh yeah, him and Mark Boland friends at least borrowed from each other. You know that scene, and yeah, really interesting. Also, Sid Barrett was probably part of that too. You know, that was trippy. England was finding their kind of their own way after doing all the blues uh, research. <laughs> yeah, and, and all the and all the post Beatles, like you know, they could trip out in the studios. I mean, That's I, I right. watched the Pink Floyd documentaries to see how they made that made the Dark Side of the Moon. It's pretty amazing. Oh, the Roger Water, uh, David Gilmore. Yeah, yeah. I was talking more yeah. about the, uh, the Piper at the Gates of Dawn. At the Gates of Dawn, right, yeah. <laughs> right, no, I mean, that's an incredible era, too. I mean, it's just, you know, like, since I didn't grow up, like, five years earlier or something like that, I kind of just caught on when when it was, uh, you know, Dark Side of the Moon, et cetera, et cetera. What was playing on the radio, you know? Well, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, most people I knew didn't even know. They sold that record like with another record, it was called A Nice Pair or something. They, they, yeah, they were capitalizing on the success of that. Anyway, I want to stick with your story. So you said you went to college. Did you go to music for music? 
No, I went to I, my parents didn't want me to get a music degree, so I went to uh, University of Rochester, and the the school that's associated with that, so music school, was Eastman School of Music. So I I hung out there and played with people and stuff, but I didn't get a music degree. No, I should tell people Rochester Big Eastman uh, Kodak. That's right. That's right. That's that that place ran the city for a long time. And I think Xerox yeah. too. I think there's two big companies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yep. Until the digital world killed it. <laughs> yeah, right. That shows to go. <laughs> Remember Sony Walkman? They own the personal music thing, and they lost it all. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, you yeah. can't make a hard drive that's little. Yeah. Right. Steve yep. Jobs said, "Watch." <laughs> or, yep. or listen. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Exactly. Anyway. So, uh, but so you were doing music kind of on the side. So I mean, yeah. Well, what does it does it go back uh, in high school? Did you have a garage band, a basement band, bedroom band, that kind of shit? Uh yeah. I I had uh, you know I had a bunch of bands with people. Like first of all, like in middle school, like I started playing bass, and so like I had a band with this this guy named Paul Munifo, who now goes by Paul Marshall. He's like he's like a big rock DJ in Phoenix, Arizona. So he's like my old friend from like middle school, and he, you know, his hair is down to his ass, and he's still a rock fan. It's unbelievable. So yeah, we did that. Yeah, I played with everybody I, I hung out with, hung out with in high school. We had little bands, well, you we played were, shows, and you were know. saying that you had to rock the tuba to play bass. So you wanted to play bass. That's all. I didn't want to play tuba. I wanted to play bass. Yeah, I know, but you but, said uh, that was kind of a condition. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. Okay. Because that's unusual from because my days, like bass was like right field in little league. That's where you put your retarded friend. <laughs> <laughs> so I love to hear about a guy who really wanted to play bass. Yeah, I mean I, it wasn't you know at first it was my kind of my dad because like you know I was playing my sister's guitar right and he's like and I'm not really playing chords. He's right. like yeah you're a bass player. He's like he just identified it right away. And you know, at first I didn't love it. You know, and then I then I wound up loving it. But you know, it was kind of like uh, just cut by by default is why I started playing it. You know, but I, you know, then I, I saw that it's cool and like we had had some fun, like playing some rock and roll stuff, and you know, but uh, yeah, Le left hand on the piano. That's right. That, that machine that has one button for every note. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. I want to play well, this. You know, that's, What's that's that? how I had to learn. Like, my, I used to do weddings with my dad. Like, you know, he'd make me come do weddings in eighth and ninth grade. Like, you know, he'd get hired around Boston to go do weddings. And so, like, you know, like he'd make me come and play at the weddings, you know. Um, but, you know, like I wouldn't know half the tunes because they were like old, old standards, like, you know, barbershop tunes and whatever. And uh, so I'd have to watch his left hand like a hawk to figure out what the changes were. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, but in a weird way, it was probably good training. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't like it, you know, because like, sometimes, you know, I subbed on the Colbert show with John Batiste and, like, you know, he'd, like, change the song that we were going into commercial with, like, like seconds before. And I'd be like, I don't know this because I was just a sub. And, you know, then, then I just have to watch his left hand, and that, that kind of helped a, a lot, you know, yeah, knowing so, how to deal with that. So big thanks to Pop. Look, I want to play yeah. this uh, My Friend from Vlossom. Street view, yeah. Brown red colors arresting me, yeah. So I can roll it on the catwalk. Cameras rolling when I met you.
I'll look into it. Excuse me, I have to make this other call. But I'll put a blind eye on it and a deaf ear to it so that someday things stay just the same.
since my mother had me born And if you live you will suffer And me God help you You can be sure There'll be no rest If you're poor They put a blind eye on They put a deaf ear So that someday Worship that green Jesus and kneel at a bottom line. Spattering nursery walls, sweet and dirty clothes.
What from yep. Peter Show? Yeah. Vlossom. People, that's with a V, not a B. My friend. What, 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 what's that about, Tim? Uh, well, basically, you know, it, it's just that I, I, I do a lot of music making with uh, my friend Nick Littlemore from uh, Empire of the Sun. They're kind of like an ethereal dance pop, uh, pop band from Australia, but they're kind of huge down there. So, uh, you know, like I used to go to his house in Hollywood all the time and we'd get high and just like make tracks like that. Like I don't, that turned into a, that song, but that I did that you know, high on his couch, you know, I don't remember what the context was, but that wasn't for that song. And that's <laughs> what it wound up doing. So, yeah, you know, you've been there. Yeah, like, oh, know, yeah, he, yeah. That's what's really You pull up the pick and play some cool shit. And like, you, actually, he made it, Nick Littlemore made it sound amazing. I mean, you know, it did not sound like that when I was originally playing it. I'm sure of that. Well, that's but, what uh, I'm bitching things yeah. about music. It's a beautiful thing. Man, yeah, and, you know, speaking of which, like, I, you know, like, I wasn't lucky enough as a kid to check out Firehose and the Minutemen and stuff like that. I mean, you're whole approach on bass is just like it's just stunning it's like so authoritative and aggressive and i, I love it because you know i you know i, I kind of do this i mean it's not as, as uh prominent because i'm always buried behind a bunch of other people in the band but like just your tone and your the way you rip the bass apart I, is, i'm a huge fan of that it's amazing well you know i wanted to be d boone's bass player and I, i'll tell you what another secret power trio <laughs> yeah right we, i mean yeah right like you said you're buried behind a bunch of dudes and i learned from jack bruce well you know cut out the competition <laughs> smart man smart man okay uh, we heard bombas pregnant with video loss transidio with northeast corridor laden jars london gone the numbers bam blue collar guide by voices liquid kid and finally, overconfident by Sedato? Yep, Sedato. What's that about, Jim? Well, it's one of the guys, you know, uh, Jason Linder, he's a keyboard player. He's one of the guys we play with. Like, we've had a band together with Donnie McCaslin, Mark Juliana, Jason Linder, and I. We're the guys who ended up playing on Bowie's last record on, uh, on Blackstar. But uh, Jason and I you know, have a mutual love for, like, analog synths and just kind of, even though it doesn't quite sound like that on this track, especially but um yeah so we put together a little synth band and we made a we made an ep so that's one of the tunes from it. it's not even out yet that's a new one it's and, kind of fun and, and you're not playing bass you're playing synth no that's actually bass on that yeah it, it sounded like it but you know there are some synth basses that sound you know they use them in funk and stuff pretty fat yeah oh yeah what was oh, it yeah. called the funky worm or some shit i yeah. remember is one of the first yeah because it's so legato you know it's so all connected yeah, yeah, you play with a pick and, you know, I just slid it up and down. And, you know, it's, it's an easy bass line, but it's just kind of fun. You know, you just, that's the cool thing about, like, you know, being, like, sometimes you're stoned, sometimes you're not. But, like, sometimes your your sound palette and stuff is just kind of like, you know, it's like listening to Pink Floyd. It's like, oh, you feel stoned again. So, like, that was kind of one of those lines. It was just like, whoa, that's cool. Can I tell yeah. you an interesting bass thing with Pink Floyd? Yeah. There's an album called Meadow. Yes, I love it. The first song is called One of These Days. Right. Don't go down, go down, go down. That one. But, but, yeah, but there's two, actually two basses. Is that what that is? I found the story about it. Roger Waters couldn't really play it that even. So David Gilmore, but instead of losing Roger's track, they kept both of them. And that's what gives it that fucking trippy sound. Oh, interesting. I thought it was a delay of some sort. It's two actual bass tracks, and David trying to help Roger out. 
But it, yeah, ain't it trippy about that's why there should be more petri dish, you know, you just uh, experiment. Oh, I, I agree. I, I had no idea that that was the case. I always just assumed it was like a delay pedal. Wow, I didn't, that's a mindfuck. I didn't either, but that's one of the, I don't know what you call it, uh, benefits of YouTube.com docs. Yeah. And these dudes like explaining and, you know, talking to these guys and stuff that you never knew of kids. It was just sound coming out. Yeah, you had no idea of the background, but that's what I heard. It's actual two bass play. And it one of them being kind of incompetent and off the money gives it that character. Yeah, 100%. 100%. You know, like, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things like, you know, like, say, let's take Anthony Jackson, for instance, right? Like, great, great bass man. Oh, he's incredible. He's like one of the greatest ever. But if you know, you go into a studio and you listen to his bass track solo, they're all like probably lined up. You could probably nod your head to them and and it's like all groovy and stuff. Like like you don't even need the click track. If you listen to like somebody like my solo bass track, it's it's just all raw and all over the place. It's just like you know. You know who was dude. a trippy bass player solo? Uh, uh, Ronnie uh, uh, Ronnie Lane in the Faces, Small Faces. Oh yeah, man, are those trippy bass lines? They really are. They really are. They're really creative, and but they ain't fucking it up. It, it's it, it ain't James Jamerson. Well, kind of is, but kind of ain't. Right, right. I kind of I went down the wormhole with Bob Daisley with all those Ozzy Osbourne records. Now, yeah. That guy, his point, his time is incredible. It's just like wow, you know. What I mean, like it's, it's obviously he's some kind of studio guy. Yeah, but to talk about trying to fight through the mix. Oh my god. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, you never you would, unless somebody isolated that, you'd never hear that stuff. How, how brilliant it is. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of them got like the cat in uh Iron Maiden, I guess it's his band, Mr. Steve Harris, you know. Yes. You, you know, he's out there, it's almost like he's you know, he's mouthing all the where he ain't singing it, but he's mouthing, you know, I wrote this or whatever. And they, that's a trippy thing about the bass, but you know, the the Aiden in the bed, and I think is really important. At the end of the day, it's the big picture, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, and maybe it's a little irresponsible just to say, "Hey, if you're just focusing in on on that, uh, you know, all my notes are golden notes." I think Mercer was telling me. Right. Yeah, I, I'm kind of anti that at this point. I, I learned some lessons over the years. It's just like, okay. You know, as long as it's cool, like, you know, especially when you're, like, recording yourself, I'm like, eh, it's fine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess in a reggae thing, you can be the big Bogart. <laughs> There's no problem. In fact, I got to see Family Man. I saw Bob Marley in 1979, I think, at UCLA. And, man, oh. what a great bass man, Family Man. Oh, he's he's one of the greatest. Yeah, He's so underrated, man. It's incredible. But not by yeah. me. I put him way up there. That guy. Mm -hmm. And in fact, uh, Tony Mamoni from Perubu, he, he he was big hero of his too. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think in the early days of the movement, because I didn't really know about reggae, you know, it, it came from England, right? And those guys, the, the movement was already kind of mixed in with that because Jamaica was, I don't know, part of England's trip colony thing so they had uh -huh. that connection and you know coming from arena rock where you couldn't hear the fucking bass and all of a sudden there's this music right reggae and bob molly had a song called punky reggae party and you know it was like whoa okay huh. and, and also i think uh, another big dealio tim was 
since like a lot of the dudes were just learning how to play, you were finally on an equal foot. It wasn't yeah. just the, yeah. 100%. It was and it. also, you know, the other thing about, yeah, like you're talking about the UK, Jamaican connections, like, you know, like when I, I, I turned out, I, I was a huge drum and bass fan, like, you know, going back to the jungle days, like early 90s, mid 90s, and all that stuff, it's like, you know, you listen to it, it's like all the, the breakbeat drums, but it's all, you know, dance hall reggae bass lines and, and, and reggae lyrics. It's not, not like what it turned into. Like, that's the original shit. Ain't that trippy? Ain't that yeah. trippy? Look, we're at the end of the first hour. Uh, cool. January 8, 2021, this Pedro Show. Special guest, Tim LeFever. Hold tight for hour two. January 8, 2021, it's the second hour. Watt from
Stingiest sliver of a sky Plate glass windows Capture the clouds The wind and the rain Have been subdivided And the very last singer-songwriter's Wrapped in a burial shroud And the key To the city Is buried way down deep So let the lyrics sing an avenue line Gently rock you, rock you to sleep There's footprints on the ceiling Rumors being passed from ear to ear A hundred thousand streets And not a single one of them Lead you out of here Every little thing is expensive Except the talk, of course, is cheap She's gotta let that Lexington Avenue line Gently rock you Rock you to sleep Your mother and your father They're long gone And all the lovers Like a broken string of beads And you Broadway like some kind of crazy tumbleweeds So just go ahead and let it out You won't be the first just to break down and weep Then let the next thing turn up new line Gently rock you, rock you to sleep Spotlight that burns right through your curtains Your prayers have been recorded and then reversed What used to seem spontaneous and impromptu Now just seems too goddamn well rehearsed And the Lord's down on his knees Just begging for a soul to keep You ought to let that leg sing to an avenue 
gently rock him, rock him to sleep. Someday overcome those crazy odds But my banner of triumph is not yet unfurled I've heard it said so often That I almost do believe That this town's the smack dab center of the world And maybe I'll never make What they call that quantum leap So I'm just gonna let that Lexington Avenue line gently rock me, rock me to sleep, rock me to sleep. Father, you chased me as a child. I grew to resent, to fear, despite leather-belted anger held tightly fisted. Your taunts whip-slapped, burning down the sides of my legs, shook fear out, sweaty. Fluid screams escaped my throat. Even so, I defied you. Padlocked my tear ducts so you would never see me cry, liquid steeled. Metallic hearted legacy, your gift to unwrap daily. Father, paternal irony. A smoked oblivion overflowing ashtrays of kick ass perfuming our home. Regarded your child, no regard. Sex, your weapon of mass destruction, aimed at budding breasts, the tiny swell of emerging hips. Death, our mutual vocabulary. Cunt. Whore. Virgin. Whore. Kicked into frozen deafness. One day I will write poems astute. Smash them into my flesh. Unseen scars like melted cobalt. Hard-assed vein resolve. My witness to what you stole and what you took. You took unmasked. Your face a twisted frown. Freckled. My whore blood shot like a cannon from my nose. Spit on it. You imagine me a parallel. My mother, your wife, all of us exiled like death. Indeed, he wished me dead. Repeat, dead. Now you too are dead. You did what death does. I smell it just below my skin. There is no fear greater than one I have already known. My God, my idol, my enemy, my saint. You made us an altar from leather-belted love. Your first item up, magazine women. Their filth between their legs spread across our broken coffee table. Your eyes meet mine like glass shards. I turn the pages dutifully and learn. Good girl, you say. 
Now, I will never grow beautifully, only damaged. My whore blood flows inside, but Father, despite your efforts, I did not die. Fear-tangled nerve cells cut off breath, but not my heart. I learned how to feel. One by one, my fingers traced emotional webs. Knots loosened until release was assured, until they pulsed, ate, drank, came, and they came loudly. Awakened from near death an orgasm of fuck you from the mouths of angels, they came like soldiers, frontline warriors defiantly stunning. Now, I sleep awake but safer. I lock doors no one knows I possess. Open windows, flaps of valves. Fresh air is a touch, warm, desired. My mouth opens, breathes in 1,000 kisses, all the ones I missed. Life is soft, a searching tongue brushing my skin. Filth is a memory, faint, but whispering barely audible. Just strong enough to know. Just strong enough to know, Father. Just.
Yeah. Watch from Pedro Show. We start off the second hour with uh, John Holmes live. Whose hat is this? And uh, Tim's going to enlighten you. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you like it. First of all, yeah, it's it's a it's an all improvised band from um, kind of remnants of uh, Tedeschi Trucks band. So we all used to be in Tedeschi Trucks band. Now a couple of us are not. But that's how the idea was. Like you know, because Derek, we we do a, a decent amount of improvising every show, but then. You know, one day we were in Germany or something like that, and I knew a club owner in Berlin, so we just went to, to started doing gigs and just like improvising the whole time, and it was a blast. Turned out I thought it was pretty good, so like I, you know, we put that record out. That record's on Ropadope, but the first one's self-released. But um, yeah, it's cool. It's like you know, just uh, just like going and improvising is one of the things I love the best to do. Who so, made, yeah. who who came up with the project? Well, what happened was the first gig, like and it's on the it's on the vinyl. I'll send you the vinyl when we get done with this but um basically we played two sets and recorded both sets and then we came back for the second set and somebody had left a kind of a nice hat on the on jj's snare <laughs> so he's, he gets on the mic and he goes who's that hey by the way thanks for coming whose hat is this by the way oh okay <laughs> pedro he said it <clears throat> pedro we would call that a donate yes <laughs> <laughs> then we heard uh people sam bennett out of tokyo with lexington avenue line Saint from Jerome Parker Wells out of St. Louis. Dr. Herman Green, we lost him in November. Memphis. Andrea. And finally, Phonic Landform Resonance from the New Age Doom. What's that about, Tim? That's, um, okay, that's like a new project from a couple guys from Vancouver and a couple of us from from L.A. and blah, blah, blah. So, like, you know, we, you know, it's basically Eric Breitenbeck's, he's a drummer. So it's kind of his thing. He's like, he, you know, he sent us, he just sent me drum tracks and it just and it said do put whatever you want over it. So I was just like, okay, cool. I put some, I took out the bow and like did some really ugly bowing on upright bass, and I just put some analog synths on it. Just like you know, just it's basically noise something, uh, you know, noise avant garde something something. I don't even know what you call it. It's free jazz. You know what? I think with music, you can get away without it having a label. One yeah. day, one day, yeah. Uh, 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 I played with this guy, Mike Baguette, a nice cat, and came up with this idea, post-genre. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's about right. You, you know, know like, now that the record companies ain't got power, why do we got to label everything so they know what fucking bin to put it in at their fucking yeah. chain stores that don't exist anymore? It's so dumb, I know. And then, you know, like, also, it's like, well, this, you know, what is, this is too weird and blah, 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 but it's not. It's, it's still improvised. It's still fucking, you know, whatever it is. And, you know... They, they, uh, Eric hired a, um, they, they have a little label and then they hired PR like it's actually getting good reviews of like some serious magazines I'm like wow okay I didn't that's the kind of stuff where I just like people would just be like God, I don't want to listen to this you know I mean it's not your Bruno Mars crowd I suppose but but it's just like it's funny to hear reaction you know who knows well yeah yeah you know for me the, the movement was never about a particular style that was up each up to each band it was more of a state of mind you know in fact trying to free your fucking mind free your yep. ass and let your mind yep. follow or some shit like that. and you uh, yeah and you're you're you're, you're like a revolutionary you're like one of the people who's you know carrying the torch for that it's awesome without yeah. you know without you like where, where would we be really you know what i mean nobody would have any balls well you know in a way that was for us because actually because i did 125 months with the stooges and this, some of the shit was going on in the 60s. The yeah. arena rock just came and buried. Yeah, there was little labels. There was garage bands, all kind. But then the arena rock came and just rolled it all over. So we had to like, yeah, and I graduated. 
high school in 1976, so I'm really lucky to be in the right place, right time. But, uh, you know, yeah, somebody once told me, the only thing new is you finding out about it. That's right. <laughs> Tim, what about, what about using the internet to trade files, making records with people you're not even playing in the same room with? I mean, it's kind of reality these days. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's it's cool because, you know, in terms of just economics, yeah. fine. You know, like somebody from Arkansas wants me to play bass on the record. That I, it's easily done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you can't replace playing live, obviously, with, with the other guys, and like what that feels like and what it, which really does add like quantifiable magic to the music that you're recording, right? It's like, you know. Well, it like, depends. What if you hate the dudes you're playing with? <laughs> Yeah, well, there's that too. <laughs> Look, I want to play this uh, ray gun from Jason Robert Blum.
Live from Pedro Show. Yeah, we started that chunk of music off with Ray Gun from Jason Robert Bloom. Enlighten us, Tim. Okay, that's uh, that's another band project I'm involved with. Uh, it, it may wind up being called Branzino, which is kind of a fish. Uh, Jason, as as well as a, like a really good songwriter, is also an incredible chef. So like you know, if you go on his Instagram, it's like you know he's just on his stories, he's cooking this nut shit. So like. You know, Branzino's like a kind of fish, so but basically that's what we're going to call the band at some point. But, um, yeah, basically we all produce that. It's just like uh, kind of fun rock and roll stuff. We're experimenting with some sounds and kind of did some, like, uh, Queens of the Stone Age guitar solo stuff. Like, I, I actually tripped that out a little bit with a, a synth pedal. Like, I put it up a half a step. So he's like, he's like soloing in two keys. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but it's but it's uh, it's fun. It's just you know to go down and like make records where you're you're kind of interacting and you have input into how things are going. It's it's uh, it's really cool. And I think, you know, that's also the drummer from Who's Has This. It's JJ Johnson. So okay. and it's produced by um, us and Jason Kings, those amazing guys from Atlanta. So oh, great. Then we had the faster you go, the better you think from the World Inferno Friendship Society. The bottom of the pond from Eternal Return. Uno from the new. Harnessians, I guess they're into harnesses. <laughs> plus dark. <Hard> plus, <laughs> well, Harnessians, I, I, I don't even know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry for fucking up your name, people. <laughs> plus dog plus with dirty war, and finally, knower with hanging on. Enlightenness, Tim. They're well. They're from L.A. They're uh, that's Lewis Cole and Genevieve Artadi, and. Okay. Uh, they're like kind of the rage among young people. Like it's kind of like fast funk and, and neat little chord changes. It's like it's like kind of the new wave of like what young kids are doing these days. And it's like 
you know, it's, that that tune happens to be slow, but like a lot of what they play is fast, and it's you know they're gathering, starting to gather like huge crowds and stuff. So, uh, well, but what's uh, your, yeah, no, what you connect I, with them, Tim? Uh, I mean, it's 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 a weird one. Like you know, like it turns out that Lewis is a big fan of like a lot of the bands I used to be in in New York, like Wayne Krantz and, and Rudder and a couple of things, anything like with uh, this guy, Keith Carlock, that drummer I was telling you about. Yeah. So, so, you know, then, then, you know, when I moved to LA from New York, which was like 2011, um, you know, we kind of connected and he's like, Hey, we're, you know, going to do a tour. You want to play? So I ended up, you know, it's been a long lasting relationship with me and Lewis and uh, Genevieve. So yeah, they're, they're really cool people. And, uh, you know, super humble and just completely outrageous drummer. I mean, you've got to hear this guy. And he's also writing and producing all that stuff. And then they do, they self-produce all these videos. It's pretty, pretty crazy operation. But, but, but younger people, right? Oh, yeah. They're in their 20s. Well, maybe they're in their yeah, 30s now. But, 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 yeah, but what I'm 20s. trying to say is, that's cool nowadays. You don't have to. I took a drummer with me the last tour I did a year and a half ago. He was like a month short of 40 years younger than me. That would have never happened when <laughs> Younger, more younger man yeah you know right. i think that's kind of a positive development i think so i think so i mean you know everybody has you know everybody wants to play with each other at this point so it's like it's fun i think i mean i bet he was great on your tour yeah but i mean the whole idea like well i think rock and roll used to be sold as just a young person thing but you know what happens you know rolling stones <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You get you get less younger. It happens, right? Yep, get okay. less younger. That's right. That's but hilarious. the only uh, defense you got about against that, you can't turn back the clock. But if young people have an open mind, you ain't over the ropes. That's right. That's yeah. right. So I'm most grateful for that. That was a big issue when I was a teenager. You know the because there was a big divide between uh, I don't know the establishment and the young people. I remember Bob Bobby Dylan getting some award for something. He's, he's like, "Look at you, you're old." He must have been like 28 years old or something. You're old. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a weird, oh well, you fuck you very much. You know. <laughs> Look, we're at the end of the second hour, uh, January 8, 2021. Special guest Tim Lefebvre. Hold tight for hour three. January 8, 2021. It's the third hour of the Lot for Pedro show. What has happened since all my eyes looked in the screen? Left of center, left of anything. But tonight I twist for moments that
Watch for Pedro Show. Start off the third hour with moot points from Alassane. Uh, enlighten us, Tim. That's uh, a song written by uh, Alassane Diara, who's a talented songwriter, pianist from Phoenix, and he co-wrote that with my wife, Rachel Eckroth. And uh, I produced it, and it was mixed by Jason Kingsland again, the guy from uh, that Ray Gun tune with Jason Robert Bloom. So it's, kind of, it's a family thing. I, I'm excited about that track because I think it's kind of different from, like, I mean, it's still leaning on the jazz side, but I think it's got a little more edge and a little more, I don't know. It just, I just, it just needs to come out and see how people respond to it. But I kind of, I think, I think it's an amazing tune, catchy and weird at the same time. And then we had Crane with Not Good Enough, Hammer on Trial, Lapa Ooh, Mau Mau. And finally, Ego Mondo featuring Kokaye. Kokaye. Yeah. Justice. Yes. And Lightness, Tim. He's okay. Kokai and I have been like, you know, because of what we do in the improvisational scene, like, you know, our, our thing is like, you know, sometimes it's avant garde, sometimes it's electronic. But anyway, we've collaborated on so much stuff over the years. Like, I met him like 10 years ago and, and we've just been involved. And so, like, and I had this band with, uh, with Gary Novak and Scott Kinsey. And then uh, we just were kind of like, you know, sitting around recording these tracks. And then, you know, like, okay, what are we going to do with them? So, Gary uh, played drums on it and, uh, and, um, I played bass and uh, Gary, so Gary did some editing and then I kind of was like, I got the perfect guy who's going to come up with hooks on this and it was Kokai. So uh, yeah, that one, I think that was, you know, that's all, it's all a political statement as you can tell, but um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty rude track. I like it a lot. And what? it's also cool because it's really strictly just drums and bass and then Kokai on it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I wanted to ask, what about the bass as a composition tool? I mean, you know, you, you, you know, when, you, when you're sitting there playing, you come up with a cool bass line. It's like, okay, shit, let's write a song around it, right? So, oh, what about not just a bass line? What about writing a whole song on the bass? Oh, it's been done. You know, like, uh, yeah, some of the things I've, I've done with uh, with um, Empire of the Sun, like the C, it started off like the chords I played on bass, and then you know, bass line, and bam, it's off to the races. I mean, I, it's always got to get handed off from there to put real, you know, other instruments on it. But yeah, writing on bass is not a problem at all. Even if you're just playing tense, right? You know, just kind of doing stuff like that and going up and down scales and stuff. It's like you always can find cool shit, I think. Well, I, you know. Okay, here's my thought. You know, verse, intros, outros, chorus, bridges, all that kind of stuff can be done on the bass. And you can have all the starts and the stops and the rhythmic uh, component. But then for your collaborators, you're leaving a lot of the harmonic content up to them. Because the mm -hmm. bass, right? When you do, when you write something on the piano, when you write something on the guitar, you're already supplying all those chords, all those voices, and they're, they 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 kind of are painted in. With the bass, I find it, and Nels Klein, who, who loves this idea, some dudes bum out, man. It's the, why don't you fucking write the song on the cymbals, you know? Shit. 
<laughs> like not enough information. Wow. <laughs> Look, I want to play uh, 87 and cry.
Badak. I'm going to be good. Yeah, I see. So, hey, Chopa, here we are. I'm big up, not man. Jara, original come from 19, all of them. Kill anything, anywhere, anytime. When I first seen this, I never showed it to man. I work it down. Hey, Radigan. You have chat after you. Here you know.
Something happened on the day he died The spirit rose a meter and stepped aside Somebody else took his place and bravely cried I'm a black soul, I'm a black soul How many times does an angel fall? How many people lie instead of talking tall? He cried loud into the crowd
Watt from Pedro Show, last music for this edition. This is David Bowie, 87 and Cry. Then Tim Holhouse, he was on uh, a couple days ago. Time, University Challenge, my buddy AJ out of Holland. Proj, Choppers over Negro. And then finally, Black Star, David Bowie. So, you were saying something earlier about David Bowie and your buddies. You, you, began, uh, you ended up the core of his last band. Yes. Yep. Um, I mean, you know, he had stopped touring in like 2006 and he did the next day, uh, 2013. And then he decided to do one more record and hired us. Like, I think he wanted to just get out of the box a little bit. Like, because, you know, he was using this, his touring band a lot of the time who are incredible. And that's, you know, 87 and Cry is like me with Reeves Cabrels and, and uh, Sterling Campbell and, and, and David Torn. And like, that's, I mean, to, to be honest with you, like that, that was a gas for me because like I, I didn't, you know, like when we did Black Star, it wasn't really Bowie alumni. It was just okay, new guys. But doing the the remake of um, Never Let Me Down was with all Bowie alumni. That was a thrill. So well, Re uh, Reeves, I got to meet him, and a really nice cat. And uh, he yeah. told me he played with them for a few years, ten or something. Yeah, yeah. Right. He, he was in Ten Machine, but, ten but, machine but, and then, but then before uh, him, uh, God, I, I got to do a gig with him. Uh, Puerto Rican guy, uh, Carl, uh, Carlos Alomar. Yes, Carlos Alomar. Yeah, great, great, great player, man. Great fucking cat. Yeah. And yeah. he was like his man for years, right? With uh, uh, Rojas, I think, uh, was on the base. And, uh, yep, Carmine Rojas. And, yeah, uh, right. I don't know if, I don't know, I think it was Alan White at that point, but I think Ohar Hakim, Ohar, Omar Hakim had played on, Hakim, on those, those records. Yeah. The let, let's dance, oh. right? The the stuff that uh, yeah, the, the now Rogers used, yeah. But uh, but they yep. they go back before. I think they're with the station to station and stuff. Yep. Yeah, I remember yep. seeing Carlos a lot. It was so neat to meet him. It, but but you know he always looks so sophisticated with the Nehru collar. And then I, he's like, man, you see my fucking scarf, man? I put my <laughs> scarf on. I yeah, and it, yeah. We did, we, I did a TV show with him for a little while. Like there was this woman named Caroline Ray. It was like sort of like you know like a daytime talk show, and he was the MD. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, what? But, but so yeah, so he kind of, yeah. He, I guess just retiring those guys. Yeah, they had to find other stuff, and then uh, you were already playing with these guys, right? With uh, we mean with Jason and yeah, Martin, yeah, Don. Yeah, yeah, we've been playing since like well, I don't even know. It was like. Uh, you know, early 2000s, 2004 or five or something like that. But um, I mean, the, the way it happened was that uh, Donnie was playing with this big band with Maria Schneider. It's a famous like New York like, weekly thing that happens in New York. And uh, and Bowie had done a track with her called uh, Sewer in a Season of Crime. And uh, then he asked her to do a record. And I, I think she wasn't available because she was working on her own record. So she said, no, but check out Donnie McCasm's band. Gave her the CD. He came to the 55 bar and other reason why that place is legendary um he came to see us at the 55 bar and then that was it and so uh after that we did the record pretty pretty crazy how it all went down yeah wow and yeah. then uh who's the bass man upstate tony visconti right yeah tony, yeah tony visconti no tony levin you mean tony levin no i'm talking about the producer man oh yeah, yeah but he also does bass he, he's a bass yeah. man yeah yeah totally yeah right so he produced it um in fact, like, you know, like a, a bunch of those bass lines on the Black Star, like he had demoed on bass. So, like, I was just kind of ripping him off, you know. Do you know like about Lazarus? Lazarus is totally his bass line. Do you know? The intro and, out, intro and outro is mine, but the rest is his. He plays some great fuzz bass on that uh, 
width of the circle. What, what's it called? Uh, it's the one before uh, Man Who Sold the World or some shit like that. He's playing oh. fuzz bass like uh, Jack Bruce kind of thing. It's really good. But, you yeah. know, the reason I know Reeves is because he plays reverend guitars. And there's a reverend bass called the Watt Plower. Right. The, the short scale. Which is right. Yeah. For gigs, I had to go to short scale because my hands got... Yeah, got messed up. Yeah, because yeah. it sounds like you're brutally beating the bass. So, so like I can, I can see it. But yeah, recording, I, I sit down. So I, I always play long scales for recording. But for gigs, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, Tony plays a watt plow. I see a picture of him playing one. Oh, it's cool. I haven't seen that. <laughs> yeah, me either. Blew my mind. Anyway, I got a lot of respect for him. And you know, working with the producer, being a bass player, that, that that's it's important. Yep. You know, you're going to be, uh, what do you call it? The, the wish granter, the realizer, the <laughs> helper. Yeah. Helper exactly. maker. Yeah. I'm trying to do a lot more of that. I mean, I know that doesn't pay these days, but I'm not doing it for, for the money. I'm doing it because I, I want the experience and I want to help people shape their records. You know, it's like, it's kind of a, that gives me, that gives me just as much pleasure as playing bass on something. So. And what about, what about a young person getting into bass? All the years you've done and what would be your advice? Yeah. Uh, man, I don't know. I mean, just kind of, I mean, at this point, because the game is hard. Yeah. Well, find out who you are. Right. And then, right. and then make that apply to the base and just find out what your sound is and what your vibe is. Yeah. Um, without being like, like you have to still be open to shit. It's not like just, Oh, I'm, I'm this. And you know, it's, it's always good to keep growing, which, you know, right. Stop learning, stop living. I think, but it's Yeah, that's right. That's right. So like, it's that kind of thing. Like, just stay open to a lot of stuff, and then see what happens. You know, it's like and just make make your music. It's fun. Like, you know, since uh, we've been in COVID, I've been I had a Patreon page, and I've been teaching a bunch, and I've met some really cool people. Like, some of whom are just amazing musicians in general. It's you know, so you can see like you know, people are people are still doing that, which is cool. I mean, maybe they're not making any money doing it, but they're still doing it, and I think that's really important. And where can people find you on the internet, Tim? Well, I have a website, timlefevemusic.com. Let's spell it for T-I-M-L-E-F is in Frank, E-B is in boy, B is in Victor, R-E.com. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, great, great. I also have a, I have a Patreon page called Live from Blackbird. Well, you, pro from you Black probably got, I, I've been to your site and there's a link to it there. So that's oh, good. yeah, cool. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Big honor to have you on the show, Tim. Thanks so much. Yeah. Listen, I'm flattered and blown away that you had me, and, and thank you so much. You're a legend, the god of bass, and, and uh, all the very best to you. Well, look, any new music you got, flow my way and come back on the show. I'd love to. It'd be okay. a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Okay, really. brother. People, it's right, been brother. the January 8, 2021 edition of Wap Peter, so keep your powder dry. <laughs>